You've tuned in to Naturopathic Earth Radio and Holistic Health News, where you get the latest on medical cover-ups, government malfeasance, toxins being put in our food and home, as well as sound, clean eating principles. We are here to cast a light on what the big sick care industry and its government shills don't want you to know. Don't be a slave to Big Pharma. Break free of the shackles of big food and start your journey now on a long, purposeful life. Become a citizen of naturopathic earth. Here's your host, A. Gregory Luna. Hello, everybody. This is A. Gregory Luna. Of course, you can call me Gregory. And welcome back to another episode of Holistic Health News. I hope you are doing well today. We have a special guest on Holistic Health News. We have Ms. Heather Ray. And Heather is a contributing writer on Naturopathic Earth. And I am visiting her here in beautiful Maine in the summer, and the weather is just gorgeous. So I thought it'd be a great opportunity to interview her to get an idea of what her background was, how she got into holistic health, alternative health. And then we're going to talk about vaccines because it's a very passionate topic of hers. And we're just going to talk about some reasons why she would recommend uh, people don't get the vaccinations. A decent primer for this episode is I do have episode around 160, the 15 top anti-vax cities in America. I also have an episode on nine reasons why you shouldn't give the Gardasil vaccine to your teens. That's around episode 70. And I believe I have, those are the only two there. I have one on reasons you shouldn't be on the birth control pill, but that's not really about vaccines. All right, so Heather, give us a little background where you were born, where you went to school, just what it's like to grow up in New England, and just give us kind of a little background on Heather Ray. Hi, Gregory. Thanks for doing this. I, um, my mother had an organic garden when I was growing up, and we had horses and lots of manure, and I was very close to the earth, but I was also kind of a geek, a good student, and I ended up going to Phillips Exeter Academy in New Hampshire, for a couple of years and then did a short stint at Wellesley College out, yeah, <laughs> outside of Boston and then ended up graduating from Wesleyan University uh, in Latin American Studies. So I didn't have much of an interest in science, although my mother was a biology teacher for many, many years and she would have a microscope on the kitchen counter looking at all kinds of worms, which I thought was rather disgusting. So I come to this work that I do now in functional genetics, not from a science background, but um, at a point in my life where I find it truly fascinating. So you had mentioned that you kind of had a typical business job, uh, and then you left all that, and then you kind of ventured into this world. So why don't you give us a, a, an idea of how you went from that kind of nine to five business job and then how you got into to what you're in now. Sure, I, I think I my route is very similar to a lot of people who, some people call them wounded healers. You've had issues of your own. I had a number of health issues which I just accepted to be part and parcel of being me, but I never got any real solutions or anything that truly helped me from the standard conventional medical profession. And I had a roommate who went to Columbia Med. She's quite prominent physician. And I had this very odd idea that I wasn't really smart enough, which is ridiculous, to understand how the body actually works. So 
I realized at a certain point in my life after running to see different practitioners who are outside of convention and trying to learn who they were, what was a chiropractor, what's muscle testing, what is acupuncture all about, what's, why are herbs so effective, which I knew from being a kid and outdoors all the time, the power of nature, but I wasn't able to bring that into my life, especially not in a nine to five job. So I was looking for answers for things like insomnia and my father would tell me, oh, it's just genetic, you got it from me, which really wasn't acceptable. I didn't believe that that actually was true. Uh, I've since learned a lot about stress, emotional stress, chemical stress, physical stress, which I, um, my partner now is a chiropractor, so I know a lot about how that affects the body. But by not finding answers for my own health issues, I just decided I was just going to have to figure it out myself. So I started, I've probably been on this journey my whole life, but really cut the cord from nine to five corporate, not not my decision. There were a lot of layoffs going on in Colorado where I was living and set out on this path. And then I met, I met um, Dr. Gale, who's the chiropractor, and he handed me a book by a uh, a naturopath, I knew nothing about naturopathic, his name's Dickon Weatherby, and he's out west, and this book was on an analyzing, it was a functional medicine book on analyzing biochemistry, and, I, and there were questionnaires in there I had never seen before, and I just thought this was the most incredible thing I had ever found to help me figure out what was going on. That was really what kicked off, that was, I don't know, eight years ago, kicked off my journey into functional health. And then outdoors, you got some certifications and, and some, some training. And then I want to mention that Heather here, she'll, she'll plug it at the end here, but she has an incredible house here. Maybe she can give a quick history on it. And she has a place called the Wellness Spot in Richmond, Maine, which is a little south of Augusta, between Augusta and Brunswick. And uh, she hosts retreats here, and, and she uses uh, yoga and, and meditation, and she has an infrared sauna, which I used, which was amazing, and it's a great place. Why don't you just give us an idea of like what what specifically in alternative health do you focus on, uh, kind of like what's your prism, and then if you want to talk about like what you offer here in the house and stuff. I, well, I've been certified, I am certified through Institute for Integrative Nutrition, and that's a good base starting point, and it wasn't like the information there was entirely new to me, but it was really wonderful to be sitting with thousands of women, and they're mostly women, who have come to this place, and I realized, I literally, I cried when I saw them, because I realized I'm not alone, mm -hmm. what I'm seeing, and, and what, and what I, answers that I want to find. So taking from that, I, I was able to do some functional medicine courses, College of Integrative Medicine, but because I'm not a physician, it's a postdoc program, I'm halfway through that. But, and I've been doing a lot of seminars around the microbiome and they're available on the internet. It's just amazing the kind of information that you can find and what you can learn. But I had an IT background and I was really looking, looking hard for some software that could take all of this data, just a, an enormous amount of information that you collect from your blood tests and other kinds of functional health, functional health data, and was anyone putting it together and where was the methodology? Because you can listen to all of these very knowledgeable people 
um, with incredible backgrounds, but no, everyone had a different way of coming into the conversation about health and wellness. And I'd taken a course on rescuing your brain with Dr. Karazian, and it's phenomenal. I've done the functional diagnostic nutrition course with Reed Davis, again, phenomenal. But this piece of having some, some way to analyze, organize data, I did not find until a couple of years ago. And that I stumbled on Nutrigenetic Research Institute. They're out of Pennsylvania. And it's, it's headed up by a traditional, certified traditional naturopath. So his tree of life, they, they, uh, they cover everything in their practice from biochemistry all the way through to bioenergetics. So in my coaching, in my practice, I work with people running the full gamut from vibrational energy and what that means, educating people about the biofield. But I found starting with this biochemistry and the functional genomics, it's nutrigenetics, it's looking at what you were born with, these enzymes, enzymes are proteins, enzyme are, enzymes are made by genes, and looking at your metabolism and then you can figure out where you've got weaknesses, where there are dams or blocks, where your enzymes aren't working optimally. And there's software that goes with it. We do an organic acids test, which tells you a lot of information. And then we do the signs and symptoms questionnaire, which brought me back to that work that Dick and Weatherby had done, which I was what kicked me off on this journey to begin with. So I really felt like, I know, this, this really is a wonderful place to start the conversation with people about who they are and how it affects their health, with the understanding that we all know it's epigenetics. The genes are just an indications. They are not destiny. So. All right, so you use some terms that maybe some of the people here might not know. So let's define epigenetics, and then if you could define, uh, you focus on like the functional genomes and genetic stuff, and so kind of describe that, and then you mentioned the, uh, the bioenergy and all that. So just kind of give like basic terms for people, what that means. Okay, so let's look at functional, functional genetics. So, yeah. So a lot of people, and, and I agree with them, they'll say your genes, you know, genes don't create disease. And that's true. But you do have genes that are in your metabolic pathway that affect how well, uh, metabolism is how well you take in nutrients and burn energy and that fuel you need to do everything in life. And if those aren't working well, <coughs> then you will have symptoms of, of ill health. And I'm, I don't diagnose disease. I don't treat or cure disease. I look at how well your biochemistry is working for you. So if you are eating proteins, fats, and carbs, and they're coming into that, I don't know. If, and again, I didn't take science. So don't, you know, these things, these terms, part of my coaching is helping people understand what I'm talking about. I have lots of graphics. I find it really, really helpful to use graphics to describe what these metabolic pathways look like. So you've got this Krebs cycle. It's making energy. Mm, you may not have the minerals. You may not have the vitamins that you need. You may be deficient in those. And that is going to mean you're not going to be able to make energy very well or make cells very well. So there's that part of it. There's also the part of the energetics because 
nutrition is biochemistry, but biochemistry is actually electrical. So really human beings at the end of the day are electrical beings. Your heart actually gives off an electrical field, which is not discussed, again, in conventional allopathic medicine, it's not even acknowledged. And there, there's a lot of information coming out of Germany, coming out of Russia, around bio, what, we call, what I call bioenergetics. It's, um, it's not newfangled, it's not extreme, it's not woo-woo, it's, it's solid science. There are a lot of people now like Bruce Lipton talking about biophysics, um, quantum physics, and how that and how that comes to play in, in your health. So what was the other thing? It was biochemistry, epi, epigenetics. So epi means beyond, and I think that's really important for people to remember that when you look at your functional genome, that there's no bad news at all. It's just this, this is who you are, and it's actually really wonderful to know what you what you're working with so your diet your so nutrition your lifestyle belief systems profoundly affect how those genes end up being expressed i have a i do a talk on the basics of of functional genomics and looking at epigenetics and there was a study done of two mice they're goody mice and they had the exact same dna but one was the mother of one mouse was fed plastics BPA. That mouse is obese and is like yeah an off yellow color, not the right, not the normal color, uh, not like its other DNA sim uh, exact same m other mouse. And then looking at nutrition and how that also affected weight, you know, and and color of the mouse. So that's epigenetics is everything else that's going on in your life. So, so all the stressors that come to play, whether it's heavy metals or poor nutrition, other toxicities, what, what is that doing to your genome? I mean, are, are you actually working against yourself or are you doing things to help your body then do what it needs to do? And also, like, one of the things I didn't bring up of why I came, one of the things that I struggled with was anxiety. Anxiety and depression. I never met a donut that I did not like. <laughs> if, it, if it was dough and it had sugar on it, I literally, I could, I'm not a big person, but I, I could put, put away a, a box of do a Dunkin' Donuts in college. No problem, didn't gain any weight. But now, but what I didn't realize was that I was eating food, comfort food, that was actually making me anxious. And then I would be anxious, and then I would eat more donuts. And nobody could explain this to me, and that's part of my work as a coach, is under helping people understand what, what is going on with that craving, what the food does to around your mental health. So for me, using my brain is a really big deal, and I, I, I don't want to feel anxious. I don't want to have brain fog but it took me a lot of res researching and digging into this functional health work to figure out why I was having these mood issues. I call them mood issues. Okay, so that was a very great encapsulation here. So like with your clients, so you'll mention that you'll, you'll do some blood work, right? And in, in the blood work, you're gonna be looking for a wide variety of things like vitamin or mineral deficiencies or maybe 
low vitamin D level, low testosterone if it's a guy, uh, heavy metal toxicity, and so forth. So that's kind of, that, that, I think that's a fundamental, I wouldn't say it's a fundamental difference between, let's say, naturopathic doctors and allopathic, but certainly naturopathic people, first of all, the average visit for uh, with the regular doctor is like nine minutes, right? It's just so fast. It's like they can't, they can't, they don't even know your name. They just look at the chart right before you walk in. And it's just like, boom, boom, boom. Okay, I need to hear the symptoms. They're like Dr. House, right? They just they don't know everything. Okay, they already know like two minutes and what drug they're going to give you. But I think with the naturopathic uh, mentality, it's like it's a longer, it's a more thorough uh, patient history. And then you look at blood work and then you look at a lot of the toxins, right? Yeah. How often do you hear doctors talk about endocrine disruption in plastics or parabens that are commonly found in cosmetics or phthalates or fluoride or anything like that. they don't they don't talk about stuff like that so again if, if you go back to the episode i did with dr Knighton, who was a naturopathic doctor around episode 60 we talk about some of the fundamental differences uh, between the two camps and certainly the two camps can be aligned like we need allopathic medicine for surgery no one's going to dispute that surgery like acute acute situations and certainly certain drugs in acute situations are needed but for like the prevention and treatment of minor maladies i think and probably you would agree it's better to go naturopathic first right do the patient history check what's deficient let's see if clinical nutrition or botanical science or proper sleep or clean eating let's exhaust all these things before we pop the pill you know, and over there in the allopathic world, it's let's pop the pill first. And it's just frustrating. So if you want to kind of elaborate on that and talk about like what, what your mindset is uh, concerning all that. Sure. Yeah, I'm, I totally agree with you that we should start with, and that, that's where the functional genomics comes in, understanding what, the, what that individual is dealing with. There, it, you cannot blanket you cannot give a blanket drug. Everyone is bio-individual. So let's figure out who you are and what you're, what you're working with and what you've got going on. And actually what I do uh, isn't a blood test. I do the DNA test is a saliva. These are really easy tests. So it's a saliva spit test. And we are fulfilling it through a lab at Rutgers. It's a Thermo Fisher scientific chi array, array chip assay. And the other test that we do is called an organic acids test, and it will look at some bacteria, so some dysfunction there. It will look at um, metabolites, amino acids, and other things that will give us an idea of how well you are moving through that met metabolic those metabolic pathways. A lot of people have heard of methylation. But that organic acid test is called the OAT, is a urine test. So these are really easy tests to take. And well, okay, so the, <laughs> the, um, the DNA test, I don't know if anyone's done 23andMe. Uh, the group that I'm working with used to use 23andMe, but when they upgraded to their newest version 5, they dropped, I think it was seven of the 10,000 genes that they had in 23andMe, which meant that it really was useless for the work that, that we do. So um, nutrigenetic research hunted around and found Thermo Fisher. And the beauty of it is that not only can he, NGRI put in, you know, what 23andMe used to have, but they can add in, as the science comes out around different genes, they can ask for those to be part of the DNA test as well. And that's $199. So it's the same as what 23andMe has, has always been, but you get so much information out of that Thermo Fisher 
um, lab test. And then the organic acids test is, there are two labs that we use, Great Plains and, Meta and Metametrics, and it's about $325. And in the grand scheme of things, I don't think these costs are, are that high at all. The amount of knowledge that you gain from going through this exercise. And as a coach, in that I'm, I'm not a medical practitioner, I'm, I'm not even a naturopath, my job as a coach is to help you regain ownership of your mind and your body and your health so that you're the one, you're the one, you can actually go on websites. So part of my role is to show you where you can order these tests yourself. The kit will be sent to your home you know, it's pretty simple stuff. Uh, if, if it is a blood test, and some of these things are blood tests as you move down the road of functional health, there are ways to have phlebotomy, you know, blood draws done. But, um, all right, that's great. Um, so let's take a little break, and then we're going to talk about vaccinations and the controversy, especially now that social media is blocking all the anti vax literature and content. So we're going to take a quick break. Okay, so we're back. Uh, when when I told Heather I was coming to Maine to visit her and, and, and travel around uh, in Quebec, uh, she wanted to talk about vaccines. And vaccines, of course, are very controversial. If any of you know any pro-vaxxers or anti-vaxxers, it's very difficult for them to get along. And I think like with the, the in the book of Exodus was with Pharaoh, how his heart was hardened. Uh, through all the plagues, like no matter what what plague came, he would uh, we never gave in to Moses, and eventually you know killed his firstborn son, and then his. But but I think when you talk to anti-vaxxers, and you're pro-vaxxers, like they're not even listening to you, and then when an anti-vaxxer tries to proselytize to pro-vaxxers, the pro-vaxxers is just they're not really listening, and it and it's unfortunate. So. Heather wants to talk about her reservations with vaccines from a kind of functional genomics kind of a way, approach. My issue with vaccines, and, and I'm not nearly as well trained, is just the adjuvants. Like the whole the whole idea behind vaccines, like Edward Jenner back in smallpox in the late, late 18th century. I don't necessarily have a problem with introducing an attenuated dead or live virus into the body where then the immune system will create antibodies to fight it. That's not my issue. My issue is more with modern day vaccinations where we put in these adjuvants like thimerosal mercury and aluminum and formaldehyde and all these things. Those are my issues. And the other issue I have is because, well, we know that, that mercury is bad, right? You shouldn't eat too much tuna. You shouldn't. We got rid of the old thermometers because, you know, like one kid would break it and then drink the mercury or even with dental stuff. So we know to avoid it there, but it's okay to have it shot into our body. Which is kind of strange. So my other issue is like the not just the adjuvants, but then the frequency that we give vaccines to children. It's just it's quadrupled. It's just so much. And the blood-brain barrier, I don't really think, is really well formed at that point, or the immune system. So these are two issues I have when it comes to vaccines. But Heather, what what are your like one, two, three reservations uh, with vaccines and and is it more toward the annual flu vac? Is it more toward all the childhood vacs? Just kind of just give a broad kind of swath of your views of vaccinations here. Yeah, I, I choose to use the term vax educated 
because I've had vaccines. I had vaccines as a, as a kid. And as traveling, I went down to Bolivia. I signed myself up. I think when I'm the part of this conversation, and I agree with everything that you said about the adjuvants and doing the work that I do in functional genomics, I can actually see in the diagram of your metabolic pathway and the inflammatory pathway where ingredients of vaccines interfere with your ability to function well. And it really, for me, at this point, defies, it defies science, defies logic, to, as you said, to put something into the body that works at cross purposes with your health. And I think the, I, I don't have children, so I didn't come into this conversation as someone having to make a decision about whether to vax or not vax my child. I had a, I had a dog, and I had a Cocker Spaniel Buford, and I went along with all of what was recommended for the vaccines for my puppy. And one of those was a penicillin-based um, vaccine. I told them not to, not to give him the vaccine because we knew that he already that he had that he had issues. That he had already had a reaction, adverse reaction to that type of vaccine. Well, they went ahead and did it anyway. It kicked off autoimmune hemolytic anemia. I really, uh, that was one of the things that just, among others, that catapulted me into this work that I'm doing now because I really, I was so distraught, I couldn't even talk about it for three years without crying. And I was sitting in the middle of this course on, on integrative medicine and Dr. Gant is describing penicillin vaccines and for humans and says, mm, they can kick off autoimmune hemolytic anemia. And I was so stunned. I literally turned red and I sat there and I couldn't move. So you have to ask yourself, what's actually in a vaccine? I never, I, you know, when I went in with Buford to have to the vet, I never, okay, so, right. So nobody asked, I didn't know to ask. And, and this is how naive, I'm, I was naive and uneducated and ill-informed. I honestly thought that the vaccine was the actual antibody. Like I just thought, oh, it's a saline. It's just an inert solution with this miracle uh, component to it that when I go to Bolivia I'm not, or Mexico, I'm not going to get sick. But the reality is that every time <gasps> actually I did get sick, I got massively sick. So that also made me stop in my tracks and start to wonder, like, what is, what is going on when you take these? They're toxins and you put them into your body, what is the toxic burden that you already have, and how well are you able to move toxins out of your body? So let's look at a functional genomics kind of way. You mentioned that you could do tests, and, and in the test you could see how the vaccines de deleteriously or adversely affected the person who got it. No? No, I think I, what, what we can see is we know that there are antioxidants, for example. There are ways to remove uh, hydrogen peroxide, peroxy nitrate. There are these interactions going on with minerals and vitamins. And you're supposed to move, prepare these toxins to be eliminated from the body. You've got this biotransformation and detoxification, and there are multiple phases with the intent of removing them from the body because they're damaging. So 
for my work where I'm trying to help people move those along, get them out through the kidneys, through the skin, through the liver, through the feces, eliminating, and you you generate um, toxins just by virtue of eating. You know, you have metabolites from eating. But to, it, for me to think that you can take someone whose detoxification pathways are already compromised genetically, the enzymes aren't op functioning optimally, and then on the other side, continue to add uh, to inject people with toxins. And as you said, the schedule has now just been increased. Ex and there are more to come. This isn't really about children. This is the other thing. I don't think that people realize this. Right. It's uh, there. If you look at the laundry list of vaccines in the pipeline, I mean, when you think about what we're not, the things that we're exposed to that we have immune responses to, we all have them. Whether it's you know this brown caterpillar moth that we have here in Maine that takes me out. Any number of vaccines can be created, but those those toxins that are part, it's not a saline solution with this miracle antibody. It, when you start looking at the science and you read the inserts, which most of us do not do and no one directs us to do it, then you can live in this sort of la-la land that is, it's not, they're not safe. We know that from, from a little bit of tracking that's been going on, and they're not effective if you have to keep giving them every five to ten years. They're not effective if it means that someone who's been given an MMR or measles, mumps, rubella, uh, is actually shedding or getting the measles by virtue of having been given this. When you start educating yourself about vaccines and what's actually in a vaccine, you really have to stop and ask yourself, am I, am I working at cross purposes here and trying to be healthy and create a healthy immune system and detoxification? Like you said, like people are trying to get the amalgams out of their teeth safely so that they don't put this, these toxins into the bloodstream. It will affect your brain. It does affect your neurology. Yeah, we have an episode on, on whether or not cavemen had better teeth than we did. And I would always recommend that people go to holistic dentists because, you know, they don't use bisphenol A in the fillings or the mercury or fluoride. But, every, I mean, everything you said is just dead on. I, I think people just have an innate trust of doctors. And if you go to the episode we did on how big pharma has overtaken the curriculum at medical schools, you need to kind of understand the history, how big pharmaceutical companies who, of course, make the vaccines are pushing their way into the, the young, impressionable minds of, of medical students. And uh, what they do is they donate a lot of money. If you, if you don't go back and listen to this episode, it's around episode 110. They donate so much money to these medical schools to inadvertently or under pressure, these schools will adjust the curriculum to make it more about pharmacology. And so... Uh, it's like six months is only spent on botanical science and on clinical nutrition, but they, you know, they'll spend years in pharmacology. So if you look, there's just so much conflict of interest. And so people have a problem believing that their doctor would knowingly give them the devil serum, as I like to call vaccines, uh, with all these known toxins. Like, how can my doctor do that? Well, remember, your doctor is only as effective as the knowledge that they have. And if they're intentionally or unintentionally miseducated in medical school, it, it's it's not really necessarily their fault. Now, of course, they could read up on it later, and there's a lot of doctors who become anti-vax later on because they've done their research. But I, I think that's one of the issues. It's like it's not necessarily that your doctor is bad. It's just that they've been 
not necessarily well educated and that has to do with the medical schools and then if you look at the CDC the CDC is the biggest purchaser of the annual flu vaccine and so they have a vested interest through these free clinics and all these free shots at schools and so forth to get these vaccines out and then if you look at the CDC and the FDA and we have an episode on the revolving door if you look at all the executives of our watchdog agencies they're all former big pharma big medical device big big food former executives and they just leave their multi-million dollar multi-million dollar job and then they'll do their public service with the CDC or FDA and then lots of times they'll just approve the drugs or approve whatever that their one of their 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 company or one of their sister companies was and then after four or five years they'll just go back and then work for one of the other companies so it's like there's a major conflict of interest when it comes to these watchdog agencies and whether or not they're watching us and if you look at the cover-ups, if you look at like the Simpson Wood Conference, if you look at the Hooker Thompson scandal that came out last year, it it's just tough for people to believe that there are people that are willing to do cover-ups. And if you look at it, I guess from the CDC's point of view, if they were to admit that vaccines had any issues, think of the liability and all the lawsuits, the millions of lawsuits that would be coming down the pipe. So it's in their vested interest to just keep deny, 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 and just call anti-vaxxers, you know, quacks and paranoid people and so forth. So, uh, Heather, what, what do you think about all of that? Do you agree with that, or what's your take on that? Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> no, I do, of course. If you start, it's, I don't want to call it the rabbit hole, but it's like the rabbit hole. Once you start reading in on how dysfunctional our government agencies are and they're in bed with pharma so tightly there's absolutely there's no way i mean we know there haven't been any safety tests done there's never been a test a study you know a true placebo based the, the kind that every other drug is supposed to undergo where you have a true placebo so take the saline and then put it up against a vaccine that's got aluminum in it that's not what they do they take they take aluminum in a solution and then they compare that to aluminum plus the virus and all the other the bits of DNA so there's you know it sounds great to say safe and effective but none of that's true actually it's quite false it's misleading and very dangerous if you don't question it the other thing about the vaccines that I've been wondering you know at first people who've been upset will say that you know it's about health why are they damaging our health and then I think well is it really about health no it's about money you know it's about greed it's you know how how can they continue to make more money through the government mandating a medical procedure which is just astounding that in this day and age in this country that anyone would think that that's acceptable and knowing what I know about genetics and and susceptibility and I'm not just talking about one gene, the MTHFR, which a lot of people will point to, but when you get into this work and you see how many pieces of this detoxification have to work for you to be able to take that kind of onslaught with these adjuvants, there are a lot of pieces, and they need to be held accountable for how those vaccines are interrupting, blocking, damming your ability to make neurotransmitters, to make hormones, to be a functioning human being but they're not called drugs they're called biologics so is it's not about health care and maybe it's not even about money because biologic is actually a war a war term so when you get down that part of the rabbit hole it, it 
it it can be um, very disturbing because I don't think this really is, has a lot to do with anything related to health. I think the pharma is happy to make the money. You know, I think CDC is happy to make the money, but I think there's a darker agenda. And I and I don't want to sound, you know, it's just once you you just have to when you start reading, you really do have to start. You have to ask why is it that you would continue to inject people with with solutions at, that make them sick? <laughs> just yeah. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it, it is it is pretty insidious. You need to ask the question. It's like, it, wh why is it you cannot sue the pharmaceutical company if you have an adverse reaction to the vaccines? You know, Reagan had that passed like in 1986. So if you, if your PCP, family doctor, pediatrician, browbeat you into vaccines, like it's so common, right? You go in like, I'm really, I'm a little concerned about this MMR or uh, whatever one, uh, Haemophilus, whatever, you know, the 27 vaccines. And they're like, oh, you've been listening. Uh, you need it. This, this is good for your kids. You need this. You need it. And a lot of parents are like, okay. But then, you know, what I would tell them is like, okay, I'm going to fill out this form and I want you to sign doctor or whatever. If my kid has an adverse reaction, I get to sue you. And is that doctor going to sign it? No. So it's very easy for them to be like, oh, you need to take this vaccine. But if there's any adverse reactions at all, Guillain-Barre syndrome, I mean, anything. Yeah, you, yeah, you know, we're not liable. Oh, and by the way, you can't sue Big Pharma. You can go to the vaccination court, but then you could be stuck in there for years, and the legal fees are crazy, and then the, the, uh, the money that you can get if you can prove it is not a lot. So if you have an adverse reaction, you're kind of up a, up a creek without a paddle. There's not a lot of recourse you have. And going down to like the conspiratorial view, I, I think for sure there's a conspiracy in like big food intentionally makes our food nutrient deficient, right? They Because it's cheaper for them to use high fructose corn syrup or to use flour or food dyes instead of natural, natural food dyes. And so we eat years of just crap food and then food porn, which is, you know, the use of commercials to manipulate us into buying food. Food porn, the additives they put in the food, all of this makes us crave junk food and crap food. So we eat crap food for 20, 30 years, and then lo and behold, you know, the disease fairy, as a lot of people call it, come and we end up with heart disease, diabetes, cancer. But but no, I mean, it's, it's poor lifestyle choices and really bad food. So then big food makes money off of us, and now big pharma, big hospital, Big medical device, they all sweep in when we're 50, 55, and diagnosed with fill-in-the-blank. And then they're just parasites that take advantage of us as well and give us bad literature about how these drugs work. And so it's, it's so insidious. So I think in that regard, there is a kind of a conspiracy in that they benefit financially from us being sick. If all of us shit ourselves well, they would all go bankrupt. Hospitals wouldn't exist. So they need us in this chronic state of illness. Yeah. Spot on. I did, and it isn't conspiracy. If you work back big pharma, you work back big food, you find chemical companies. And I remember saying to my father not that long ago, actually, the Germans won the war because these are these are toxins that were used in warfare. So it's really not conspiracy to talk about um, chemicals. Really, that's what we're talking about. How are these chemicals affecting our body? And we're seeing now with glyphosate. Part of the work that I do, and I've been following, I don't know if you, any of you know Stephanie Seneff from MIT or Judy Makovitz. Some of these women are, they're showing through, you know, scientifically um, what glyphosate does within the metabolic path.
pathway to glycine in, in particular. So we're seeing these cases come up around cancer. The goal, you know, it keeps shifting. You know, it won't be glyphosate. There's, they'll change one little bit of that chemical and it'll have a different name and here we go again. Right, with BPA, BPS, right, give it and you know, tweak it, call another name, and then they're off and running. I think for me, this owning your own health is, is really important, but I also think this piece that's this understanding of what chemical, chemical companies do and this sort of warlike attitude, sort of scorched earth, like with antibiotics, just wipe out the biome. But if you listen to who's coming forward and speaking about the damages, and I'm going to call it the V word, because really that, I think, just saying the word is where you alienate people, but if I could just talk about what's in this jab, you know, what's in the jab, it's women. It's women who historically have been dismissed, sidelined, and when you there's actually, there's a, on YouTube, it's called Vaxxed. It's the Vax bus, and it's just stories of people coming forward. Of, often it's a, a couple, but most often it's a mother describing her experience. And some of these stories are heartbreaking. And not just because of the damage that's been done to their lives, the unaccountability, but that they were, that they've been sidelined and disparaged and, and insulted, and it's crazy making, right? Well, now she's crazy on top of it, but it does have a, the work that I do has a lot to do with the mitochondria, you know, it's where you make your energy. You get your mitochondrial DNA from your mother. Like these are the things you think, I didn't learn that. No one taught me, it was always, you know, the double helix and there was a man when, you know, found it. But this is a very, very powerful female story about what's going on. It's about civil rights, it's about women's rights, it's about constitutional law. This really is so, so much, about so much more than, than vaccines. Yeah, going back to the constitutional right thing, like there's hospitals that make every employee get, get a mandatory flu vac and you can get fired mm -hmm. if you don't get the flu vac. Uh, so, I mean, in, in going, we can talk about the censorship now on social media. It's like, where's the freedom of expression? Where's the freedom of speech? Where's the First Amendment rights? But uh, I think from Twitter and Facebook and Amazon, like Amazon, they you can't, they removed like all the anti-vax books and the vax documentary and all that. And I guess their point of view, well, it's quackery and we're trying to, to save the public from this. But really, again, this is the arm of the American Medical Establishment, the American Medical Association, Big Pharma, you know. Yeah, all these these, these companies that, that, you know, quo bono, who benefits, you know. These companies or the, the Big Pharma companies could have a vested interest or maybe they paid off Amazon, you know, who knows what the connections there to silence anti-vaxxers. And it's just like, why do we need to silence them? Why can't we just have an open dialogue, open discussion, and then people can make an informed choice? I mean, that's what both sides want. But, you know, like, and they always tell you, like, if you're having a discussion and someone starts profaning and cussing at you, you know, they've lost the argument because they have nothing else to say. And so by just removing all the anti-vax literature, now some of it, some of it out there, of course, is, is crazy quackery. Uh, but a lot of it is is good science, and it's just frustrating that these social media 
companies have tried to silence us, and it's definitely a, a civil liberty and constitutional liberty issue. Well, I, th I think if they had anything to stand on, they wouldn't have to censor you. I mean, recently, Sayer G at GreenMedInfo, he, he's been using MailChimp, and what GreenMedInfo does is compiles scientific studies from the PubMed, that's the National Institute, Institutes of Health database. I mean, this is where everybody goes to find science, and he just was writing about vaccines and what he finds there and, and an opinion, and they now, they blocked him. They took away all of his email addresses. So he's moved over, a pitch for Entreport. I mean, there will be other platforms. If Facebook wants to continue to censor and Amazon, we will find other ways to share information. I mean, I think back on the suffragette movement, we got the right to vote as women, and there was no internet. Somehow those women, even though they were jailed and force-fed, <laughs> managed to get the right to vote. So I'm not going to get, I think it's disturbing that our modes of communication, and those are private companies, but that that is the lengths that they, those are the lengths that they will go to, because I don't think they have a leg to stand on, they know it. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so we're going to be finishing up the interview here, but I wanted to go through some common common retorts to people who have vaccinated their kids. And Heather, one of them, of course, is, "Well, I vaccinated my kids, and they're just fine." Right? That's a common a common uh, common response you get uh, from parents uh, when they talk to anti-vaxxers, and that their kids are just fine. How would you respond to that? Well. I first blush it's profoundly insensitive but it also indicates the lack of understanding about bioindividuality. we are all different and we all will respond differently to toxins so that's wonderful that you're not noticing that your child has an issue but i think too if you start to play back your own childhood and start looking, people say, oh, he's fine. And then, and I've gone through over 100, listened to over 100 case studies of people with all manner of autoimmune conditions and trying to figure out what on earth is the root cause, because this is all about getting to root cause for chronic health conditions. And after saying, oh, that you know, they're fine, and then it's, well, they had that asthma all through childhood. So yeah, food allergies, and then the laundry list start. The long list starts to come out when, really, actually, there were problems. But there's subtle enough not to. It wasn't full blown autism, so my kid's fine. And I think that's a really naive way to really think about it a little bit more deeply. And be kind, people. Be kind. You know these these parents of damaged children are struggling enough already. Yeah, I agree. I mean, once you realize, and even even if you don't, if you don't see or don't want to believe that maybe the vaccines cause these, these injuries to these parents, I mean, these parents, again, now have a child that's compromised. Who knows how much they could be paralyzed or or have you know developmental issues, and now they, they really don't have a recourse. And so it's understandable they'd be angry. So if you ever encounter one on Facebook, because, you know, Facebook has a people posting stuff, you know, try to be sympathetic to these women and don't and don't write back, oh, the vaccine didn't cause your kid to fill in the blank. So uh, I would definitely say that. And going back to what you said, it's like, yeah, a lot of people will say, oh, my kid didn't have any problems, but then later on they develop autoimmune problems. And that, it could be 30 years down the road. 
oh yeah, I have psoriasis, or I have multiple sclerosis, or I have Crohn's disease, or I have you know whatever celiac, and um, they never want to make the connection. Now, are there some people based on their just their genes that they can take vaccines and they'll never have some effect? Yeah, I'm sure there's probably some, but I just don't see the point of the vaccine. Now, you can go back to like polio, right? Polio was eradicated. We needed polio uh, to be eradicated. Uh, but do we really still need a polio vaccine now? I mean, I, I don't know if we really do. And then, and then the virus was was tainted, right? I think the original ones, the Sox Saban ones, were tainted. Um, I think it's really tainted. Uh, Doctor Suzanne Humphreys, she's written a book, Dissolving Illusions. But you can find her on YouTube. But the polio actually did not go away. They're, they they changed the name. So just changed the name of the virus and. It's it's an interesting conversation because I think that's a go-to for people. Oh, look at look at small smallpox. Look at polio. Well, they you know, a, plumbing is was a wonderful thing. You know, hygiene is a wonderful thing. And to to just again, it's like accepting safe and effective, and accepting that vaccines eradicated polio and smallpox. I I would just ask people to do a little bit more research. Yeah, I agree, because like like with cholera, for example, cholera is gone, and, and everyone wants to attribute all these things to vaccines, but improved sanitation, okay, improved eating. Yeah, I mean, all these other things that, that kind of improved in the, the middle to second half of the 20th century could have had an effect as to why these these viruses, these bacterial issues went away. It's not just all vaccines. And we're not going to spend time on the flu vac and how the government even admits, you know, they, they make the flu a, a year ahead of time. They don't know what strand's going to be prevalent. And then they'll admit 40% of the flu vacs are not even going to be effective because they guessed on the wrong strand. So, I mean, the flu vac is a wholly, wholly kind of different topic. But Heather just wanted to bring up some of her concerns with, with vaccinations. And and I just, from a parental point of view, you know, I'm a parent, uh, I would just inform yourself on both sides and don't be browbeated by a doctor i know it's hard to find a pediatrician who won't see you like a lot of a lot of parents yeah exactly if you say uh, i don't want to vaccinate or just i want to delay the schedule they're like well we won't see you and i wonder if it's a reliability issue or, or what it is but you can find doctors that will do a delayed vaccination and you can find doctors who I mean, you're going to have to dig hard, and it might have to be an alternative health, maybe a chiropractor or a naturopath. But you can find doctors who um, are uh, at least reluctant or hesitant about vaccines and are a little more open-minded. So just don't feel bad. Like if you go to one or two pediatricians and are like, no, we won't see you unless we vaccinate your kid. They're bullying you. That's browbeating you. And you can just step back and just say, thank you, and I'm going to go elsewhere. Yeah, and I'm thinking for myself as an adult where I may not be able to get a passport or a driver's license, and, and I know my genetic, I know I can, cannot, I will not, I will not comply, I cannot comply. So as, so do I move out of the state, what state do I go to, do I move out, you know, how do I, how do, well, one person proposed, <laughs> bring an orange with you, let the doctor make his money by giving you the vaccine, but have them inject it into the orange instead of into your arm. And so this is how I'm trying to figure out. It, because clearly science is not swaying anybody. I, you know, I think fear, they use fear, and it's a really powerful motivator. Um, bullying is a powerful motivator. Um, we really have to stand strong for our rights and understand the science, but also why there's 
so much um, controversy around this. I mean, if you've already vaccinated your children and then someone comes along and says, hey, you know, like I did to my my dog, you know, it's 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 brutal to know that you chose to do something um, based on good faith and good what you thought good advice, and really, it turned out badly, very badly. It's a very salient point. It's it's hard to, to deal with that for sure. All right, so Heather, uh, let's talk about the wellness spot. Why don't you uh, plug your place here? <laughs> okay. Yep. So it's um. About 40 miles north of Portland, and we have, it's a boutique place for women to come and do detox. And I mean that in the vein of getting your body set up, you know, removing heavy metals, removing anything that's getting in the way of your breath. Yeah, so that, that's a, a big topic. I, you know, I hear do my... Uh, the chelation? Okay, sorry. Okay, chelation. Um, yeah, so I've been listening to Dietrich Klinghardt around chelation and his, his approach to it now. I think it's, you have to be extremely careful um, when you start moving heavy metals around, moving it out of tissue, into the bloodstream. If your liver can't handle it, it's just going to recirculate again around in, into the body. and you, you It will be, it's not good. So, um, here we do we do very mild we do mild detox. We have infrared saunas so through the skin uh, with frequencies and then foot soaks with with Epsom salts. And you know for people who are really um, I call it jammed up. I know that's not a very um, scientific term, but if you've got a lot going on with parasites and pesticides and all manner of, of pollutants and toxins, even a foot bath can can adversely affect you and you can hurt. It's called herxing. So here it's it's a place for you for women to be quiet. It's peaceful, it's pinned out quiet. And if you want to try intermittent fasting, if you want to venture into some new diet, diet that's new for you, that's you know that's what we're here for. Um, I'm certified in heart rate. What? Yo, yeah, yoga. Yep. So yoga in the morning, yoga every morning. We'll have gluten-free muffins from a really fabulous place over in Wiscasset. And um, what am I missing? Heart rate. So I, I'm certified in heart rate variability, which is a whole other topic, and um, a couple of other things that we do here around uh, brain entrainment. So getting into the the neuro part of health. So far away from the functional genomics, but yeah. So the house was built in 1880, and I've been renovating it for about 12 years, and it has a really lovely energy about it, and gardens that I've been working on for a while. It's a passion of mine. So we're, you know, Maine in the summer is just gorgeous, and we are on the Kennebec River. If you want to come with a kayak, you can do that. If you want to come and just hang out with a good book, you can do that. You want to sit in the garden. It's up to you. If you want to do yoga all day, great. You can do that as well. It's it's up to you to, to you know use the space as you, wherever you are in your exploration and regaining ownership of your own mind and body. 
And how can they find you? Why don't you mention some of the the different avenues where they can book you? So, so um, we are now on bookretreats.com, which is a, a website for yoga retreats, and we're on Airbnb, and uh, one thing I didn't mention is that with it's, it's a two-day retreat. You can stay as long as you like. You can stay all summer if you like. There, we're bringing up um, detox f uh, green drinks from Flying Fox right now, and she does an amazing birch at flying fox does an amazing job with detox drinks so we're surrounded by organic farms so there are resources for getting really great produce as the summer evolves so i can just personally attest that this place is gorgeous i just love new england in the summer the sun's always up and you see these coming from texas you see these old old homes that are just hardwood floors and just white-walled and just unique architecture and I just I just love this place when I stumbled upon it last year and so I definitely wanted to give Heather the opportunity to plug her place so much. all these things I keep forgetting anyway you'll find it on uh, on my website which is chirowellnessme.com there there are links to the wellness spot there and then more information about my work as an integrative functional coach and you know, if you want massage, <coughs> excuse me, we have a therapist who had practiced at Top Notch in New Hampshire, which is one of the best resorts. She's amazing. So, yeah, you can make this make this uh, a really incredible retreat and focus on yourself. All right, Heather, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. It was great to see you again, and thank you for the opportunity to be able to talk about these things that are so important, I think, to everyone in the country. All right, guys, I hope you enjoy that interview with Heather Ray. She does have some articles on the website, which is Naturopathic Earth. Check out all the clean eating food recipes, essential oil recipes that are there. We have a lot of articles on clean eating and toxins in the home and house, some of which we talked about today. But she does have four or five articles there if you want to read more about functional genomics. Of course, there's ways you can support this endeavor. The main one is on the Patreon, so click on the link on the episode notes and you can donate whatever you can. The more, the merrier. That'd be better. Also, you can buy Confessions of an Obese Child, which is my memoir on Amazon Kindle or Barnes & Noble Nook. It's only $2.99 and it's free if you have Kindle Unlimited. Please post a review there. I recently set up a Clarity account, so if you want to do some one-on-one -on -one coaching via the phone, go to Naturopathic Earth and you'll see the click on the, the link on the top right of the page. And uh, we can just talk on the phone about weight management, toxins you want to purge from your house, whatever you want to talk about. And it's only a dollar a minute. And so that's another way you can help support us. There's Amazon links on the food recipes. So if you go to the food recipes, click on the Amazon picture, and anything that you buy within 24 hours on Amazon through that link, we get a 2% commission at no expense to you. So that helps us out as well. And lastly, I'm a holistic, paleo-inspired health coach. So if you need someone to clean up your diet, help you with that, or someone who will tell you 
what's bad and what's good in your food and be your guru and cheer coach i am here for you the prices are on the website and lastly lastly we have three podcasts in the NP family confessions of an obese child we have an interview coming up pretty soon and then we've been rolling out season two of the essential oils and herbal apothecary i think we got 10 in the pipe running from late may to late august so we're really kicking those in gear recently we did bergamo and elang elang and rose and so and then we have cypress coming up and orange is just a bunch that are coming down the pipe so go listen to that and of course listen to holistic health news we have over 200 articles or i'm sorry episodes and just scroll through them because a lot of the early ones are gems things that we haven't covered in a long time so if you want more information on fasting or if you want more information on plastics and fluorides we have a two-part episode on why fluoride is bad for you and the history of fluoride we have one on how sperm levels have dropped 50 percent in the last 15 years i mean there's just tons of really interesting stuff in the early episodes so definitely scroll down to episode one and just scroll all the way back up to the episode 200 and pick the ones that you like and for those of you who are not necessarily into the wellness ones we do a lot more now on intergender dynamics we have the one on promiscuity increasing depression coming up and then we did the one on online dating and on narcissism and on divorce and so there's just a lot of stuff for you but either way if you can listen to those and post a review that'd be great we would really appreciate it and hit the subscribe button it takes two seconds all right guys until next time take care god bless thank you for listening to npe radio and holistic health news visit our website at naturopathicearth.com follow us on instagram and twitter at holistic news now and at our facebook page at naturopathic earth please consider a donation at patreon.com slash naturopathic earth buy the confessions of an obese child ebook on amazon or barnes and noble nook consider subscribing to our podcast and as always please post an honest review on apple Podcasts, stitcher spotify or wherever you listen to this and remember the core belief at npe let food be thy medicine let nature be thy healer until next time music courtesy of nine inch nails <laughs>